Hey, I wanna give you one update. How many of you were here or got to watch online Missionary Sam, Life for the Innocent? Give me a wave if you were here for that. Okay, so uh, Missionary Sam, just to catch y'all up to speed, one of our other projects on the Generosity Adventure, we'll take up a big offering at the very end of the month to try to ideally um, meet and hopefully even exceed all of these different partners and projects and goals. Um, but Missionary Sam and his team go in and rescue kids out of human trafficking. They are not simply an awareness ministry. They actually rescue children. After they are rescued, they help rehabilitate them through medical and through counseling, and then they finally get them adopted into forever families. I mean, it's literally the gospel incarnate. And so uh, unfortunately, as we heard last week, they've been doing this a long time, over a decade. We've been partnered with this organization for over a decade. We've been on the ground. We've seen the work. We've been in the children's homes. It's legit as legit can be. My background uh, in what feels like another lifetime, I work for a charity foundation assessing NGOs and nonprofits. So I assure you, this group is legit. And they shared that the need in terms of the demand for human trafficking has skyrocketed in the midst of the pandemic, and yet the finances have been less than ever. And so my prayer last week, I said, God, would you, I love this church, Lord, if there's anything I've come to find, we're, we're kind of crazy, but in the best way possible, and this church is generous, and when God brings up needs to our purview, so often the, the track record has been that we respond. And so my prayer was, I said, God, I would love, my dream, my prayer, I said, God, I would love for us to be able to like at least get close to or maybe even meet the most money we've ever given to Missionary Sam in a single visit. And we did not do that. We more than doubled that. This past weekend, y'all gave over $600,000 to Missionary Sam and Life for the Innocent to see over 400 kids rescued out of human trafficking, rehabilitated, adopted into forever families. Give Jesus a hand. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. It's the beauty of church families working together. We, uh, it was us, it was Gainesville, it was Tampa, it was Orlando, and now Greenhouse Jacksonville. We all collectively pooled our resources and said, Jesus, we're a bunch of ordinary people. What, would you, what, would you, what could you do if we just said yes? And it's pretty amazing. So very cool. Why don't you stand your feet with me? Speaking of incredible things, we're in the midst of a series called Believe in Big. Everybody say Believing Big. The series is all about injecting hope and faith into your hearts through the word of God. Isaiah chapter 40 has been the text. Last week, obviously, we heard from Missionary Sam and, and all about how God used very ordinary person like Missionary Sam and very ordinary people who he is doing extraordinary th things through simply because they said yes to him and his call. This week, I wanna talk about a vital ingredient to vibrant faith and big belief. This week, I wanna talk about this thing right here, the B-I-B-L-E, come on, somebody, the word of God. So if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 40, turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, all good. We got the sky Bible up here for your viewing enjoyment. I really wanna talk about football, but I really I have nothing to talk about. I'm like, man, this is great. We're talking about the grass withers and the flowers fade and the dolphins lose and the gators die and the Seminoles play middle school football. The Hurricanes won, so that's nice, you know? <laughs> too little, too late, but they won. <laughs> uh, but thank God for Jesus, amen? Amen. Apparently the Heat have a basketball team, so that's great. All right, Isaiah 40, verse six, if you're ready, say, let's do this. A voice says, cry. Like Bob Marley said, don't do that. Okay, well, that's not what we're talking about. Dad joke. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is 
grass. And all its beauty, it's, it's like a flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. Read it with me. But the word of our God will stand forever. Let's say that again. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand how long? Forever. Seems like a good thing to build your life on, something that stands forever. Verse nine, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Don't fear, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God, behold the Lord God, he comes with might and his arm rules. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense or his repayment is before him. This morning, I wanna talk about the all-powerful, all-enduring, potent word of God. Join me as we pray. Jesus, speak your word to our heart in such a way where we can say like Jeremiah, it was like a fire shut up in my bones that could not be contained. Lord, stir our hearts for you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five, elbow bump, fist bump, or a smooch on the cheek, depending on your level of connection. If you don't know him, that would be weird, so don't do that. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have certainly experienced this. The right words can make all the difference, amen? The right words can make all the difference. My, my wife and I have two children. Our oldest, Liam, is five. He's in kindergarten now, big boy that he is. And, and I remember driving recently in the car. Uh, no one prepared me for the fact that when you now have Bluetooth connectivity in a car, you no longer listen to your music when you're in the car. You listen to their music. And so we are filled with Dora the Explorer and bubble guppies all the time. Praise the Lord. And so my son, we put on his playlist and we're driving somewhere. And, uh, and, and a song pops up. Now, something that would be helpful to know about our family is uh, we, got, we got little Jew-Rican babies. Uh, I am Jewish, my wife is Puerto Rican, and so our babies are Jew-Rican. So they get a little bit of Spanish, and they get a little bit of Yiddish, and they get a little bit of Hebrew, and they get a lot of bit of English. And so that's kind of how we roll in our family. Welcome to South Florida, right? It's, it's Jewish and a little bit of everything. And so, uh, so we were driving in the car. My son went to a bilingual preschool, and so he's got, he's got Spanish with abuela and Hebrew with Nana, and you know, they're trying to figure it out. And so we play, the song comes on, and my son busts out from the backseat and says, Dad, this song is a fiasco. Now, that was not wildly uncommon for my son. He is a bit precocious when it comes to his vocabulary. He tends to use larger words than for his age group. I'm not entirely sure where that came from, but he likes to use big words. And so he's like, I'm like, what did you say, son? And he's like, dad, this song is a fiasco. I'm like, Okay, and I'm, try, I'm racking my brain, like, how is this kid's head, you know, like, it, any parents, you know your kids are like a mystery sometimes, you're like trying to track it back, and you're like, what in the world, and, and, and so finally, I'm, I'm like, buddy, what are you talking about? He's like, dad, a fiasco is a party in Spanish. And I thought to myself, thank God my wife is not in the car right now because her little Boricua heart would have died in that moment. In case you're not tracking, fiesta is a party in Spanish. Fiasco is a horrible thing that happens in elevated vocabulary that a five-year-old should probably not be utilizing. Uh, but but I, I love my son. His Spanglish is still a work in progress, all right? So he's still working on that. Um, but it highlighted to me 
The fact that a few simple words, maybe the right words, maybe the wrong words, can make all the difference. You ever experienced this before? I mean, think about it. In your life, you ever had your mindset changed, your day made or ruined by just a few simple words? Maybe it was a harsh passing comment made flippantly by a boss or coworker. Maybe it's a consistent critique that's always levied against you at every family reunion by family members, well-intentioned or not, about your appearance or your personality. Maybe it was an unexpected encouragement that hit at just the right moment, in just the right spot, at just the right time. See, words are powerful. They mark us. They mark us in the moment, and often they mark us far greater in our lifetimes than we ever could even realize in the moment. Now, this is true of all words. This is true of the wrong words, but even more so when we allow the right words to impact us as well. And as we get ready to think about the scriptures, I want you to close your eyes for a moment with me. I wanna do a little exercise. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you grew up in church, maybe you're like, I don't know anything about the Bible. All right, great. I'm hoping by the end you're gonna be like, man, the Bible's incredible. I wanna read it a little bit. But, but if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to think back to a time where you devoted yourself to the right words, to the best words, to God's words. And I want you to think back in that time to your state of being. What was the state of your soul? Were you at peace? Were you in turmoil? Were you full of despondency and despair or faith and hope? You can open your eyes. But I have a feeling that if you were anything like me, that was probably one of the best times in your life. Maybe not with what was happening on the outside, but the way you were flourishing on the inside. I've got one big idea and I'm hoping that God would stir our hearts. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this one down. Faith is built when we allow God's word to influence our words. Faith is built when we allow God's words to influence our words. I've got two stopping points along the way, and if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to track along with me. You can peruse through these later. The first one is this. Faith comes by, what does it say? Hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? If so, I plagiarized from the Bible. It's a Bible verse. The scripture says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word. How many of you would like to leave a legacy that lasts? Show of hands, right? Most humans, it's sort of a, 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 an intrinsic component of human nature. We want to leave an enduring legacy and hopefully a good one. We want healthy marriages. We want thriving businesses. We want healthy families that make it over the long haul. I'm seeing heads nodding because, yeah, you're like, of course, that's what we all want. But Isaiah highlights for us a problem in the disconnect between what we desire and what we actually can do if left to our own devices. This is what he says in Isaiah 40, verse 6. He says, a voice says, cry, what shall I cry? Cry this. All flesh is grass. I know we're greenhouses, so people get it confused, not grass, but grass, césped. Oh, is that how you say it? Grass in Spanish? I mean, maybe. All flesh is grass. Its beauty is like the flowers of the field. 
If you've ever had the illustrious privilege of taking care of your lawn, you are amening this right now because all grass withers. Can I get an amen? Anybody have to do that? You, you start working on the grass, you water it, not enough, it starts turning yellow. Then you're like, man, I gotta do, you water it too much, it starts turning brown. And then you, you try to find the sweet spot and then it rains really heavy. And then your sprinklers go out. Anybody, this, is, this feels good, I'm just getting out. It's like corporate therapy here. This is great for me. Grass withers, it, it's fickle. Flowers, any ladies like flowers? Any fellows too, you can like flowers, all right, that's good. And, and you, you like getting home. I endeavor to bring flowers to my wife. I was better at it sometimes. I'm getting convicted as I talk. But fresh cut flowers, it, it feels like an exercise in futility because fresh cut flowers, man, they just die. They get cut, they look so nice. And then day three, the water turns nasty and it smells bad and your flowers are dying already. I'm like, man, grass withers and flowers fade. And Isaiah uses these earth realities to connect what we can see to what we cannot see. He's using this metaphor and he's like, here's the problem. We all want enduring legacy. We all want things that last and are healthy in the long run. The problem is that the best stuff that we have on earth only looks good for a very limited time. Its potency has a shelf life that is very, very short. And we love the pretty, and we love the shiny flowers of earth, but they do not last. And when we base our life on the fleeting things of earth, we do not last either. I'm a pastor. I celebrate with people in the mountaintops, and I weep with them in the valleys. It's kind of the gig. I can't tell you how many weddings I've done with couples, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I don't think they listen to two minutes of the ceremony. (laughs) Do you take, I do, I do. Do you take, I do. I'm like, I just said, do you want to give me a million dollars? I do. Oh, I got a new strategy for doing weddings now. But we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, And we're so good in our culture at weddings. They're extravagant and they're amazing and they're incredible and they're so opulent and beautiful. We're so bad at marriages. Why? Because that's our constitution if left to our own devices. It's not because we're bad people. It's because we're people. And grass, it withers. And flowers fade. And we have this penchant as humanity to search for the quick fix, to to search for the pick-me-up of empty promises, but not everything that glitters is gold. And not every TikTok video that pumps you up 15 seconds later has any substance to it. There are such things as flash in the pan, and not all wisdom or pithy statements carry the same weight. There's some really great-sounding things out there that are really, sincerely bottomless in their substance. Come on, Stephen. Which is why God through Isaiah is pointing us to an enduring foundation. He says, the grass withers, verse six, the flowers fades, verse eight, but the word of our God will stand how long? The grass withers, he's reminding us. We all know this, right? We're in touch with this. You're like, man, every time I look in the mirror, I see pictures when I was in my 20s and I look at me in my 60s and I'm like, amen. The grass, it withers. And the fly, some of y'all, you're amazing. You're ageless, ladies, all of you. But for us guys, that's what happens to us, okay? The grass withers and the flowers fade. But God's word stands forever. I came across a story this week of Sir Walter Scott. He was a novelist and a historian. He was a poet and... And towards the end of his life, he was sort of there on his deathbed and he was having his son-in-law attend to him. His son-in-law ended up being the one to write his biography. And 
And as the narrative goes in his biography, at the very end of his life, he turns to his son-in-law and he says, son, I need you to bring me the book. And his son-in-law starts going through and he's like, well, which, which book does he want? I mean, he's written so many classics and so many legendary works of poetry and literature. And he, he starts going through the Rolodex and finally he can't figure it out. And he's like, sir, which, which book do you want me to bring? And he said, I want you, there's only one book. I want you to bring me the book that has life. I need you to bring me and read to me from the Bible. And in the last moments of his life, he spent his time on earth looking into the truth that lasts for all of eternity as he passed on to the next life. Here's what I want us to get. I, I'm not saying that there is not great wisdom in other books, insight, direction, and other avenues. I'm not saying that there is not great things that God has revealed to humans because he's gracious and merciful. What I'm saying is that this book, the Bible, is uniquely different and set apart in that it is truth that endures forever. I'm not saying don't read other things or look to other things. I'm saying as the disciples of Jesus, we go to the book first and it sets a standard for everything else when it comes to relationships there are phenomenal biblical principles out there and we can apply those things but we need god when it comes to business you can apply all the great strategies and tactics but at the end of the day we need more than strategies and tactics we need god when it comes to your health you can have all the prescriptions filled and all the doctor's appointments met but there inevitably comes a time where there is a scratching of heads and at the end of the day if we're going to flourish and thrive we need god which is why he gave us his word a lamp to our feet, David says, a light to our path. Now here's the dilemma. As I was going through this, this text and, and asking God, Lord, what, what do you wanna to say to our church family? And I, I love them so much, Lord. You wanna help us grow, you wanna help us thrive. Where are we at? I realize that there is very little objection in the first portion of this sermon because we know this. In fact, I don't think we just know this, we believe this. But here's the problem. While we know this, and I think even genuinely believe this, we do not do this. According to the research, came across a study that Barna is running in conjunction with the American Bible Society. It's called the State of the Bible. They've run it for over a decade. Here's some of the statistics. I've got them up here on the screen as well. Over half of US adults, 54%, believe America would be worse off without the Bible. I don't know if that surprises you, but it kind of surprised me. Seven in 10 Americans actually claim a view that regards scripture as the word of God. These are people who, when polled, they're like, no, no, the Bible, yes, yeah, the, the word of God. This is 70%, seven in 10. 54% of Americans say the Bible contains everything a person needs to live a meaningful life. I, I just want you to look at this for a second. Don't put up that next one. But I want you to imagine in your minds what, the, a people like that would look like. 54% believe we would be worse off without the Bible. Seven in 10 say it's, it's the word of God. 54% say the Bible, this was a question, contains everything a person needs. Everything a person needs to, to lead a meaningful life. This is our theology of scripture as Americans. It's still decent. And yet, only one in six adults, 16%, actually read the Bible most days, four or more per week. Do you think the problem was with our theology 
or our duology. Right? And, and I'm sure a lot of us are in there you're like, oh man, like I, I want Pastor John, ah, and this is not a shame tactic. I'm hoping we would be liberated because I just think we don't think it through all the way. It's like, wait a second, no, I do, I do believe it's the word of God. I do believe I would live a better life if I just dove into it and spent time in it. But yes, we do, but we don't. This is where James tries to get at in his epistle. He's like, guys, I, I know you believe it, but if you don't do it, you don't really believe it, or at least you haven't let that belief sink in deeply through faith. And I think often when we look at the statistics, by the way, this is, this is the empirical reality of our culture we live in right now. Our neglect of God's word is evidence that we often underestimate the potency of God's word. Our theoretical beliefs are largely tracking or trending in a good way, but our neglect of his word in actuality, all it does is it should highlight for us the fact that we don't actually believe in the potency of his words. I was impacted in so many different ways hanging out with missionary Sam last week and we were talking, we've been friends for over a decade, and so we were, we were talking about life and our families, catching up about his family. He was asking about my family and my mom, and he's, so, he's just a good friend. And we're going back and forth, and I'm like, hey, man, how are things going? And persecution has really heated up on so many levels for him. They've lost pastors. Some have been martyred. Some have uh, passed due to COVID. And so we're, we're talking about all these things. He's just kind of sharing. He's a relatively chill guy about almost everything. And then he's like, you know, and, and I've been doing a study through Jacob. He starts talking about Jacob and he starts, starts talking about the Bible. And he's like, yeah, I figured I'd be in there for a few weeks, but we've been in there for a few months and man, it's so good. And, and he's like, you're Jewish. You probably know everything about Jacob. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's how it works. My mom does, I'm sure, you know? And, and so we're going back and forth. Missionary Sam starts talking about the Bible. He just lights up. He's like, I'm gonna start sending you messages. I was like, cool, about what? It's not about like persecution, pray for me. He's like, just like thoughts about the Bible. I'm like, amen, that sounds great. I'm like, this joker who's rescued, I mean, hero, hero level kingdom stuff is arguably probably the most excited about the Bible. This past weekend, we were at GLC, our annual leadership conference in Gainesville. All the different cities got together and got to reconnect with a guy named Mark Hosfeld. Mark and his wife, Linda, have given their lives to serving and blessing Muslims with the hope that's found in the gospel. And so I start talking to him. I'm like, Mark, what's going on? And, and what's, the, what's the state of getting to share and love Muslim neighbors? And where's all that up to? And he said, honestly, John, probably one of the greatest hindrances to Muslims having uh, uh, an openness to the scriptures. Can you guess what it is? Christians. He said, John, these, these Muslim brothers and friends that I have, man, they dedicate themselves. They cherish the Quran. They memorize the Quran. They recite the Quran together. They do all this stuff. And one of the greatest evidences to them that the Bible is not the word of God is the flippancy with which Christians treat their own text. He said, I can't tell you how many Muslims I'm engaged with in conversation about Jesus. And they're like, oh, Isa, we love the thought of Isa. It's amazing. But the Bible, ah, we don't really credit it. He said, why not? He said, because you don't even credit it. <laughs> I cut you up with conviction. And Isaiah reminds us in this chapter, chapter 40, coming out of curtailing and detailing all of the brokenness and tragedy and devastation of chapters 1 through 39, he gets to chapter 40 and he's like, there's hope for you, there's life for you, there's good news for you, and it starts with God's enduring word. And if we want to become strong, stable, Robust people of faith, we must structure our lives in ways to consistently and deeply hear and be saturated with his word. Amen? Faith comes by hearing. 
the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by hearing the word. Number one, faith comes by hearing the word. Number two, faith is activated by speaking the word. Faith is activated by speaking the word. Look where he goes in verse nine. He says, go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, and lift up your voice. Do it with strength. Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold, or look, or look upon your God. We shout about some crazy things in our culture. I don't know how I ended up down this rabbit hole, but I'll, join, I'll let you join me in the rabbit hole. We shout about some crazy stuff. I came across protest signs. There's been a lot of protests in this season. We should have some pictures up here on the screen. There's one of them. I don't know if you can get behind this one. Stop premature Christmas decorating. Any of y'all, some of you are like, no, we like premature Christmas decorating. Mariah Carey Christmas is already on in my household. Praise the Lord, all right? Stop premature Christmas decorating. This dude has crazy signs all over the place. Stop standing up when the plane lands. Any amens to that one? I'm like, I'm not the tallest guy. My head's all scrunched. I'm like, why are we standing? We're gonna be stuck here for 15 minutes. Next one. That meeting could have been an email. Amen, anybody? One time, you're like, woo, thank you, Lord. I knew I'd get something in church this morning. Hope your boss was here. Next one, I like this, brutal honesty. It's so bad, even the introverts are here. That's great. That's great. Last one. I don't even know what we're yelling about. I'm just here. Why are we yelling? Don't know. We shout about some crazy things. Isaiah says, listen. God's word, it's true. God's word, it brings about flourishing. God's word, it's a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. So get up on a mountaintop and shout about it. There's something powerful that happens when we take these Bible truths and we move them from internal beliefs to external speech. Something happens. Here at Greenhouse, our vision is to help ordinary people like you and I become passionate followers of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, passionate followers of Jesus, that means that we are made in God's image and we follow Jesus's example. We're made in God's image and we follow Jesus's example. And Jesus spoke, he was the word and he spoke the word. He spoke to winds and he spoke to storms and he spoke to demons and he spoke to fig trees and he spoke to dead people. Jesus spoke... Well, I guess a dead man, at least, Lazarus. He spoke and things happen. Faith comes by hearing the word, but faith is activated by speaking the word. I want you to notice a trend. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, for I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible with you. Mark 11, Jesus says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Romans 10, Paul chimes in. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. Do you see a principle emerging here? God's truth begins to transform internally and it culminates externally. Our words are vessels. I, I need us to know this. We, we so flippantly use words in our culture. We, we, we put up phones and we just talk whenever we feel something's in our heart. I need you to know that there's potency there. Our words are vessels that transmit faith or fear, love or hate, belief or doubt, 
cynicism or hope, selfishness or compassion, and the gospel is power, but its truth must be spoken. It must be spoken. If you want to have faith strong enough to move mountains, it has to first move your mouth. That's where it begins. We read this, we're like, man, I, I, never, I never saw any mountains be moved yet. Did you ever open your mouth? That's where it starts. Jesus said you're gonna say to the, he didn't say you're gonna think to this mountain. Why? Because when you say things, all of a sudden your faith has been put into action and you could look stupid, right? You're like, man, I saw that person. They were having a rough day. I was just like, God, why don't you bless them? Okay. Why don't you go up to them, though? There's something that happens where faith goes from the realm of theory to the realm of actuality when it goes from your head and your heart and it comes out your mouth. Faith comes by hearing. But so often we see in Scripture over and over and over again, faith is activated by speaking. Here's the invitation this morning. Make your mouth agree with God. Make your mouth agree with God. Faith is built when we allow God's word to influence our words. I'm so lit up about this right now because we can, without thinking, say all sorts of destructive anti-Bible things that if we actually pause, they don't even enforce what we really believe. Why we say it? I don't know. You ever been there before? Why'd you say that? I don't know. James talks all about that, man. We, we can tame all sorts of things and ships and horses, but we can't tame our tongue, which is why God gave us his spirit. Here's my prayer, that we would stop using our mouth to reinforce the curse and instead reinforce the promise. That we'd train ourselves to speak his words, to repeat his promises. We, we got all sorts of filters in our day and age. I, I, I was in the digital marketing and what feels like a past life. And so I remember they were making a big deal. If you want to have consistent branding in your organization, you've got to find like your organization's filter, right? Uh, Instagram or Facebook, you've got to find the, that filter. And so when you look through your feed, anyone know what I'm talking about? Y'all are tracking with me. You've got to have the right filter. So you've got to find this filter. I'm like, man, that'll preach. I pray to God we go ahead and each one of us get a Bible filter for our mouth. We're like, man, I'm not going to talk until I get the filter there. Like I'm, I'm going I'm to start preaching. I'm going to preach like this because I'm going to make sure that the filter is appropriately preaching. I don't know where that came from, but you get my point. I'm like, Lord, give us a filter over our mouth where we start talking about, wait, wait, wait a second. No, 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 that's not, that's not true. What do you mean it's not true? I mean, I feel it, but it's not true. You understand the difference? There's things that we feel that are real emotions, but God speaks truth that endures forever. Faith is activated by speaking the word. You're like, all right, Pastor John, I, I get it. How do I do this? Like, make it practical for me. Help me to apply this thing. Here's the application. I'm praying that we would devote ourselves to the word. Maybe there was a time in your life where you were like, Pastor John, I used to be, all, I used to be so much better at this. I used to be in the Bible. I, when you even had me do that thing, I remember I, I was thriving. I was in such a better place emotionally and spiritually. Great. Here's a beautiful Bible word. Repent. Turn back and do those things you used to do before and let flourishing happen. I'm calling us back to the word of God for it to be more than simply an obligation but a faith-filled exposure that hits on multiple levels. First, I want us to hear the word. I want us to hear the word. That's where it begins. Faith comes by hearing. I get this question all the time. Well, Pastor John, you guys talk about being disciples and Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, how often should I read the Bible? 
In Psalm 119, David says this in the message. I like it here in the message. Your words are so choice, they are tasty. I prefer them to the best home cooking. How much should I love the Bible? Do you like mom's, grandma's cooking? David's like, that's how much I love the Bible. You're like, ooh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, right? He said, with your instruction, I understand life. That's why I hate false propaganda. God knows we can use more of that in this day and age. How often should I read the Bible? Let me ask you a question biblically, according to what David said. How often do you eat? The correlation is challenging in its profundity. He says, if you want your earthly body to be healthy, whatever frequency you eat earth food to strengthen your grass wither and flower fade earth body, make sure you eat spiritual food, God's enduring word, to strengthen and make healthy your spirit man, woman, and your spiritual body. There it is. You're like, how often? Give me a metric system. How often do you eat? Do that. If you eat once a day, God bless you. Eat once a day. If you eat multiple times a day, eat multiple times a day. That should be a barometer for us. This is fascinating. I was in a meeting with Barna. They're doing some stuff here in South Florida, and the guy mentioned something in passing that I was like, ooh, that'll preach. I wrote it down in my journal and then looked at it. I was like, okay, this is perfect. So they, they have found something in their decade-plus research called the power of four. Everybody say the power of four. If you get nothing else out of this message, I'm praying you get this because this will change your life. They said, we found this bizarre Research metric-based reality where if someone spends four times or more per week intentionally opening and reading the Bible, they flourish, exponentially flourish. They have this whole system they do about human flourishing and these different metrics socially and spiritually and emotionally and financially. They're like, we don't know what it is. If they read the Bible once, it doesn't happen. Twice, it doesn't happen. Three times, it doesn't happen. But if they can hit four times or more per week in the Bible, they thrive. Their marriages thrive. Their emotional health thrives. Their spiritual health thrives. I want to give you something real tangible. You're like, Pastor John, amen. I, I believe this, but I'm so bad at it. I'm not a disciplined person. I don't really know what to do. And you're going to tell me how often should I read my Bible? Every single day. No. Read your Bible four times or more per week. And if you can do that based off of the data, I'd like you to read it every single day. Some of you are like, it's like hit or miss-ish a few times. Shoot for four times or more per week. Because if you do that, you will flourish. Says who? God. And the data is backing it all up. This is fascinating to me. This is what they said. They said, we don't really know an explanation for this other than God's word is powerful and potent and the more exposure you get, the more transformation you get. They said, but what we think is happening is that you can't read the playbook without executing the plays. I was like, that's really cool. And it's a football analogy. Come on, somebody. You're like, what, what would I read? Where would I start? Take out your phone for me for a second. For real, please, take out your phone. Go to your app store. Type in Greenhouse Church. Type in Greenhouse Church. We redesigned our app because we want to make it a one-stop discipleship tool and shop for you to be able to devote yourself to God's word, to be able to hear his word, to be able to read his word, to be able to go through. A lot of times people are like, you can download that, it's free. When there's no cost associated with that. It's just a tool we're trying to help put in your hands. But we redesigned the app because we're like, man, we wanna help people dig and dive into God's word every single day. You're like, well, what would I read? We've got a Bible reading plan right there on the app that's gonna get you through the Bible in a year. So if you're like, I don't know where to start, no more, here we go, we got it for you. You don't even have to worry about that. Get started, just jump in the Bible reading plan and you can dive in with us. Number one, we have to hear the word, but number two, we have to speak the word. 
Speak the word. This is setting apart time for prayer, speaking the promises of God, speaking to mountains to be moved in prayer. I want to ask you a question, and my question is, what are some promises that you need to be claiming from God's word this week? Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's provision. All of the promises of God are yes and amen, which means they are true. He will fulfill them, and all of the promises are found in his word. And we activate these promises by speaking them through faith in prayer. I was talking with the staff, and I'm like, man, I, I do this all the time. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, we'll be in staff meeting, and, I, and I've got some of these little screenshots up here. This is what I do. This is what Pastor John does, not as pastor, as just I'm a disciple, and I'm trying to follow Jesus and make it in the long haul. I want to go with the enduring word of God. So we'll be in staff meeting, and I'm like, man, and when we're trying to navigate through something, I'm like, hey, guys, and I'll just, I'm like, let's just pray real quick. God. We need wisdom. In James 1, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that you'll give it liberally and without reproach. God, we, we thank you for that promise. God, right now, we need your wisdom. We're not smart enough to do this on our own. We need you to help us out. You pray that about your family. You pray that about your job. You pray that about your organization. If, if, if we're going through a, a crazy time and I'm like, man, I just, if things are so tumultuous all around, I'll pray and I'll say, God, in Isaiah 26, you said you would keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. God, I thank you for the promise of peace that you've given us in your word. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna cover my family in prayer, that you're gonna cover us with your peace. Thank you for that promise. We live in a crazy world. If I start feeling anxious, if I start thinking, man, what am I gonna do? We're like, we're sending our kids to school, man, school is crazy. Ah, what are we gonna do? We'll start praying. And I, in the Psalms, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I've, I would venture to say 50 to 60% of my prayers are just Bible verses. You're like, doesn't God get bored? No, he, he likes his word. <laughs> and when I pray the Bible, guess what I'm doing? I'm praying in faith. Because God said it. I'm like, God, I, I know I might ask some stupid things. I might ask some crazy things. I might ask some misguided things. But when I'm praying your promises, there is a confidence that emerges in my heart because you're, all of your promises are yes and amen. I don't know what promises you need. But the greater time, saturation you give yourself in God's word, I'm telling you, his word is alive. It's living and active. All of a sudden, you're going to be reading the Bible verse, and you're like, yeah, da, 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 da. Something pops out. Something stands out. Because it's like, oh my God, who, how did this? It's like, it's like God is writing this right to me. Yeah, he is, because his word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piecing between bone and spirit and marrow and dividing. You're like, where's that? It's a Bible verse. There it is again. And something's gonna resonate with you. Here's what I want you to do. When you are reading the Bible, four times or more per week, please, Jesus, give us grace, and something stands out, write it down, screenshot it. Put it on a note card, put it in your pocket, and start praying it. Here's a, here's a cheat sheet for how you memorize scripture. You pray it a lot. Maybe 50% of the scripture I tried to memorize. The other 50%, I was just desperate, and I was like, God, and I would just pray it over and over and over again. Finally, I'm like, oh, my byproduct is I memorized it. That's awesome. I want us to be people devoted to his word. As you read and study his word, jot down promises you need to speak, you need to pray based off of your life and what, is, what God is speaking to you in the moment. If you don't know where to go or you need help getting started, we put a, a promise, Bible promises like cheat sheet in the Greenhouse app. So if you go into the app, I think it's under, there it is, under sermons, under notes, you can grab that, screenshot that, download that as a file, just something to get you started. There's all sorts of different promises and categories, peace, provision, safety, protection, anxiety, all sorts of different promises from scripture. 
Because his word endures forever. The grass withers, the flower fades. God's word endures forever. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. We're gonna close in just a second here. God's word is powerful. I, I think we would mostly acknowledge that in the room. It is life-giving. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. And where this story culminates is that in our moment of greatest need, the word came through. I was reading through John 1 this week, and this is the, the gospel of John. John's detailing one of, the, one of the closest friends of Jesus, and he's, he's reflecting back on the work and life and ministry and teaching of Jesus. And, and he gives this very poignant picture of what we were like and what we are like without God. He uses the analogy of darkness and light. He said, listen, when left to our own devices, we're like withering grass and flating flowers. We're, we're stumbling around in the darkness and, and we're stuck and we're trapped. And, and as we look to all the natural means of hope in this life, nothing is gonna be able to cut it. Any earth-based fading flower solution, it just does not stick. It does not hold. This is the failing of religion. He said, and so as God looked upon humanity that he so loved and realized that all of their solutions to clamor and grasp at trying to reach him and fix the things in them that were wrong would not avail, the word of God that stands forever became flesh. And if faith comes by hearing, God in his infinite sovereignty and in his great love and mercy realized we would never hear it properly and we would never hear it clearly if it was just sitting there in a text. And so God so loved the world that he came. And the word became flesh, John says. And it lived among us. And it dwelt among us. And Jesus came in to embody all of these things that we're tempted to think, well, that's, I don't know. And he lived it. And he brought clarity. What would God really think? What would God really do? What would God really, how would he treat? We see it in Jesus. And he spoke words that will never wither. And he spoke words that if you allow them in will change all of your eternity. When the word became flesh, Jesus, the Messiah came down and he spoke words like, Father, forgive them. That echoes through all of eternity with the power to change your life. All of history changed. Your history changed. If you choose to believe. And this morning as we get ready to wrap up and we'll close in a final chorus together. If you're here in this room and, and maybe you're from a religious background, maybe you're not from any religious background, maybe you friend of, came because a friend invited you and this is your last Hail Mary step. Like, God, if you're real, I, I need something. Scripture tells us that any who are humble enough to call out to him, to confess their need. He promises to shine in his light, his love, and bring freedom. Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that, that the word of God that stands forever became flesh and came and dwelt among us, that you manifested this love for us that we read about through your life as you lived it out and even died so that we could live and have right standing with God. And Lord, I'm asking right now that by your spirit, you would move in our hearts. Draw us to yourself. 
wanna give us an opportunity to respond. If you're here this morning in the room, if you're watching online and, and you, you want to invite in Jesus, the word became flesh to bring healing and freedom and forgiveness and transformation. Wherever you're at right now, I just want you to you can even lift your eyes to heaven and say, Jesus, come in. Jesus, I welcome you. I need your help. I've been trying to do this on my own and it's, it's, it's fading flowers, it's withering grass. I, it doesn't hold, it doesn't last. I, I need your help. Forgive me, change me. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, but, but somewhere along the way, you've drifted from God's word and you know it. You're like, man, I, I, I sure go about my physical nourishment with way more passion or intentionality than I go about my spiritual nourishment. And I realize that is part of why I'm in the space that I'm in. And this morning you sense the spirit of God convicting you, calling you to dedicate and rededicate yourself to his words, to bring healing and freedom and hope and transformation. If that's you, I just want you to look to heaven and say, God, I'm listening. I repent. Lord, stir in my heart a hunger for your word. Stir in my heart a craving, a desire for your word. God, your words are life. They are. They're a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, and I believe that. But God, I, I want to live that out. I want to put this in action. Why don't we stand to our feet? If I can have our prayer partners line the front here. You know, Bobby said this a little bit, but, but had a strong sense all this week long, specifically for anyone that has felt abandoned, has felt isolated, has felt alone, or has felt hopeless. You do not have to leave the same way you walked in or logged in feeling. And so as we get ready to sing, if, if you need some sort of a move of God in your life, if you need a miracle, if you need a word from God, if you need someone to just agree with you in prayer, if you need healing in your body, if you need strength and comfort, as soon as we begin to sing, you're welcome to come forward. We would love to pray with you and watch God move because his word is true and his promises when spoken over you, even right now, they endure forever.